Peonies make a beautiful addition to the Kentucky garden and landscape. Here in Kentucky, peony blooms appear in spring around the month of May, and their flowers have a richness unlike any other. Peonies add beauty with their wide variety of colors, shapes, and sizes of blooms, as well as their wonderful fragrance. If planted correctly, peonies can last a long time in the garden, from 50 to as much as 80 years. That's amazing to me to think that these plants can even outlive us. In Kentucky, fall is the perfect time for planting peonies in your home garden and landscape. So to get the full scoop on tips for planting peonies in the garden, make sure to stay right here for episode 19 of the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. Now, before we dive in to today's content, I would love to ask you guys if you would take a quick minute of your time to leave a review for me on Apple Podcast. Leaving a review is super simple. All you have to do is just pop open that purple app on your phone, share your biggest takeaway from an episode or what you would like to hear featured in the future. As always, thank you for listening and leaving a review about the podcast. Now, let's go on into episode 19 of the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. Welcome to the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. This gardening show will equip and inspire avid gardeners with weekly tips and tricks to help them navigate the gardening world. The show will also highlight specific growing requirements for several plants so the sun will shine brighter over their Kentucky garden. And now, here is that ray of sunshine, garden enthusiast and horticulture extension agent, Kristen Hildebrand, with the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service. All right, today we're so excited to have on the podcast with us is Dennis Morgison. He is the Washington County Extension Agent for Horticulture, and I'm so excited to have him. Dennis has actually worked 16 years in extension, and he's going to be talking to us specifically how to get those peonies ready for planting this season. Hi, Dennis. Hey, how's everybody out there? Yeah, we're so glad to have you on the podcast with us today. And one of my favorite flowers, and I guess it's more of a perennial type flower in the garden, is peonies. And so I know that I've watched you in previous years present on peonies, so I know you'd be the expert to hit up. (laughs) Well, I don't know about an expert, but it is one of my favorite perennials. I grew up with peonies. You know, my grandmother had them. They're still at her old home place. You know, everybody's gone now, but the peonies still come up and bloom. It's one of those flowers that really will outlive us if they're taken care of or left alone. That's uh, very true. And if you plant it in the right spot and in the right place, as we kind of preach in extension, it will be there for a long, long time, even past some of what our expiration date is. That's true. So, Dennis, tell us about some of the different types and cultivars of peonies that are out there, because there is a lot to choose from. There is a lot, and most of us know the herbaceous peony, which is the type that most of our grandparents or grandmothers had in their yard. And, you know, they grow and flower and they'll live their life, you know, during the growing season. And then once it frosts or even disease takes the tops off, they go back to the ground and they come back from from new growth each season and they bloom from buds that were formed underground. Then we have the tree peonies. Most of us are also familiar with those and they're more of a shrub or a small shrub. And, you know, they have actual woody growth on them and their flower buds overwinter above ground on woody tissue like, a, you know, any other shrub would. 
And then we have the intersectional peonies, also sometimes called the etos. And they are a cross between a herbaceous peony and a tree peony. And that's how we get a lot of these colors into our semi-herbaceous peonies because these some of these intersectionals can overwinter a little bit of woody tissue above ground. Usually it's only just a few inches. But if we have a mild enough winter, we'll get a little bit of that uh, woody tissue on those, you know, two, three, maybe four inches. I think last year, some of them even five and six inches uh, overwintered above ground. But you'll get more flowers if you get that on those because you'll get flowers from the herbaceous material coming up in the spring. And you'll also get a few flowers from that woody tissue that overwintered above ground. But yeah, there most people don't really realize there are three main types of peonies out there. Yeah. And like you said, the herbaceous perennials, that seems to be the type that most of our grandparents had and they last for a long time. But there's also these newer ones, the tree peonies and the intersectional peony that actually are are pretty neat. You can have a lot more colors to those than you can with some of the herbaceous. Absolutely. That's how we've gotten so many different colors in the peonies now, because we got the colors from the tree peonies, which they came in a lot more colors and even yellow originally. And herbaceous didn't. But now that we've crossed some of these, we've got herbaceous type or semi-herbaceous, which would be the intersectional. We can just call them hybrids, whatever we want to call them. And that way we've gotten yellow in those peonies as well. And there's a lot of varieties out there. And we've, you know, they've expanded the color by getting these to cross. And originally it was very difficult to get those to cross. But there was a hybridizer by the last name Ito. He was the first one to get those to cross. And since then, we've gotten probably thousands of crosses since then, but it took a lot of work to get that done. But now that we've got that done, we've got a lot of new colors, a lot of new flower forms. There's just a lot out there. If anybody out there goes on the internet and does a search on these, you'll see all the different various colors and even bloom shapes and stripes and lots of stuff out there. If anybody wants to go, you know, spend an afternoon like I would going down the rabbit hole, checking all these things out. Oh, yeah. And like you said, the I'd never really seen any yellow peonies until I saw some of your types. And then I saw some other people that had coral and like a deep, deep red. And like you said, you're just fascinated with all the colors that you can have with the peonies and all the hybrids. Do you have a favorite among those? Uh, my favorite out of any of those, uh, probably the one of the first intersectional yellow ones was called Barton's. That one was very popular. We have one on each side of the building here at the office. And each spring when it's in full bloom, people come in and want to know what that plant is. And they're usually surprised to find out that it's actually a peony because it has very large flowers on it. It's just a beautiful plant. The only problem with them is they don't bloom long enough. You know, they bloom once a year and then they're gone. But absolutely gorgeous. But I have a lot of varieties that I like. And maybe in a few minutes when we talk about specific varieties, I'll go do a little rundown of some of the ones that I really liked uh, the most. If anyone wants to look those up and see what they actually look like. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to take you up on that. Now, the reason I asked you to come on is that, you know, fall is a really good time to look at planting peonies. But when actually is the best time to plant peonies? And when we're looking at planting, where is that best location for planting our peonies? Okay. Late summer and into fall is going to be your best time to plant your peonies. Believe it or not, sometimes starting in mid to late August, we could start moving these because most of these plants, the herbaceous, now I'm talking about right now, not the tree, but the intersectional and herbaceous, you could move those starting in in mid-August all the way up into uh, October. If you're going to need to move your tree peonies, definitely you want to wait up into October and let them go dormant first, because remember, they're like a shrub. They're not like a, you know, a regular perennial with roots that worry about keeping the roots alive. We got to worry about keeping those stems alive. So it's kind of two times there, but 
Herbaceous intersectionals will, will start mid-August and you can go all the way up into late October. And with the woodies or the tree peony, definitely wait until the end of October, maybe even the first of November to dig those up. And with the herbaceous and the intersectionals, you're going to lose some roots and you may even need to trim some of the really long ones back a little bit. If you've ever bought those herbaceous types, you know that they a lot of times have those roots trimmed. And you can do some of that. You don't need to get every bit of that root with it. But if the more you get, the better. And then with the tree pennies, definitely by all means, try to get every bit of root system that you can get with that plant just to help that woody tissue that's going to overwinter actually make it through the winter. Exactly. Now, is there a difference? I know you were talking about all the different types and when's the best ideal time for planting those. Is there a good location or is it the same for all? Or is it a little bit That's different? A good question. Because no, it's not the same for all. The herbaceous and the intersectional peonies definitely want to be in full sun. Full suns and it is over more than five hours of direct sunlight. Maybe even six to seven if you can get it uh, on those. Because especially in the spring, before the foliage gets ratty. <laughs> if you've ever grown peonies, you know by late summer that the foliage is in pretty bad shape. But you need to leave it up and, and let it make as much food as it can. They're going to need the full sun. But now your tree peonies, they will appreciate some afternoon shade. So. If you can give them four or five hours of only morning sun and then give them that late afternoon shade, they're going to be a lot happier. They're going to grow a lot taller and you're going to get a lot more life out of those blooms on those because those blooms in full sun and wind on those tree peonies don't last very long or near as long as the herbaceous intersectionals does. So by all means, make sure if you can on the trees, give them a little bit of afternoon shade. They are quite expensive if you've ever bought some of these and with some of the herbaceous and intersectionals are too, especially the newer varieties. but. You definitely want to get them in the right spot, in the right location to make sure you get that plant established and get a long lifespan out of it. Right, right. Now, what about the soil type? I suspect you're probably going to say soil type does matter with a lot of these, but is there any specific things we need to know about the ideal soil? Yes, there is. And these are these are not nearly as picky about soil as some of our plants would be. You know, they don't have to have a an exact pH or something like an azalea, azalea or something like that, and it needs a low pH. But these like a pH between 6.5 and 7. Most of the central Kentucky, I know you're down in Bowling Green, even though that's considered uh, west for some people, I still consider that kind of middle of the state. <laughs> <laughs> I would say south central, but yeah, south you're right. Central, there you go. That's yes. good. Yeah, uh, that's not that's not west, you know, as far as the, if you look at the map. But 6.5 to 7, and I, I'm assuming down there that your pH is probably naturally around that. It is here because we have a lot of limestone in our soils here. So it keeps that pH in between just slightly acidic. But if you don't have that, you can amend that. Just make sure you get a soil test and you can do that through your extension office. I know most extension offices now it's it's free or relatively free. So anyone listening, just check with your local office as far as that. One thing they do have to have is good drainage. They will not stand to have a, a wet root system because they'll get root rots and die, uh, or especially in the wintertime. You do want to work your soil deeply for these, though. Don't just go out and just dig a little hole and stick them in because these plants are going to be there for 100 years or more. Most of these, you know, if, if something's not dug them up or mowed them down multiple times, they're going to outlive us if they're given a good location. So make sure you do amend that soil deeply. If you've got heavy clay soil, you're going to definitely want to loosen that up with as much compost as you can get in there and loosen it up. Those are your big keys to it. Some other things that you may consider on planting these is make sure that you dig a hole that's maybe two to three times as uh, deep as that root is. And you're not going to plant them that deep, obviously, but you want to fill the bottom of that hole with a little extra compost in the bottom and mix in a little bit of fertilizer, maybe even maybe one to one and a half cups of superphosphate, maybe even a quarter of a cup of just triple tin 
something like that in the very bottom of that hole. And you're going to put the fill soil that came out back in over that. So when you actually plant your peony, your peony roots are not going to be in that fertilized soil yet. They're going to have to grow down into it. And that's what we want is this plant to go deep and searching for that, those nutrients. And so that's going to be the key to these. Now, as far as planting depth, that's going to be an issue based on what types of peony you're planting. If you're planting a herbaceous or an intersectional, you're going to want to just put that, those little eyes, and you'll see that by the roots or dig those up, you'll see the little pinkish eyes or which are next year's buds already formed on there. You want to plant those eyes about one to two inches below the soil surface. Don't go any deeper than that because if you get them too deep, you won't get any bloom out of these plants for a number of years, if ever. But don't go too shallow because you want to make sure that they're just under that soil surface so they're protected from some of our cold winter weather. I know around we anymore don't know what type of winter we're going to have. We may have cold. We may have warm. But just one to two inches, and that's deep enough, as, as deep as you're going to want those eyes. Now, with your tree peonies, most of those are actually grafted. So when you buy one, you're going to get what's going to look like a herbaceous root, and then you're going to have a woody stem coming off of that. Well, that woody stem where it meets that herbaceous root is the graft union because it's a lot faster to get these grafted onto a herbaceous root, which is a, a more aggressive root and quicker to take off than what a rooting an actual tree peony would be. So they graft those. So you're going to want to put that graft union. Remember that woody stem meets that root four to six inches below the soil surface because we want to make sure that that does not freeze out. Because if that freezes out, our plant's done. We don't have that. It's kind of like planting a hybrid tea rose that's grafted. You want to make sure you protect that root ball. Well, that one's at soil surface. This one you're going to put below soil surface. And you're going to have probably four to six inches of woody stem buried under the soil line. And then maybe another five or six sticking out, which is going to be our growth point. What that's going to do is it's going to make sure our graft union is protected. And also, if that top of that plant were to freeze off, we've got buds underneath the soil surface that are protected that then can break. That way we, might, we won't lose that plant. You know, even if we had a freak snowstorm or ice storm that broke the whole top of that plant off, we've got some buds underground that can allow that plant to grow back. Great. And I'm glad that you kind of covered the different types there, especially when you're getting that planting site ready in the correct way to plant it. Now, Dennis, is there any secrets or maybe tips to kind of know, especially when you're caring for some of the different peony types? You definitely want to make sure you keep an eye out for a, a few things. First of all, once you plant these, you're going to want to make sure that you wait about a month after planting these, maybe even later, depending on what time of year you plant these. But you want to let that soil temperature get cold before you put a mulch down. That's going to ensure your dormancy for these newly planted plants. So it may be even after Thanksgiving or close to Christmas, whenever you want to put some mulch around these. And definitely do put some mulch around these because you don't want to go through the winter with these newly planted plants with that soil freezing and thawing and they're close to the surface. Anyway, it could push them out. But you want to make sure that soil surface gets cold to keep it in dormancy. Other things during the growing season is that first season, there's probably not going to be a lot. But if we have a, you know, a severe drought that first season or two, you're going to need to water these. After that, they're pretty hardy. They can go through a lot of turmoil after that because they do develop pretty large root systems over several years. And it takes them about three years to get to full size. It's the herbaceous and the etos. Now, the tree peony could take 10, 20 years to get to full size. They're a lot slower growing and they do make a bigger plant. Another thing is keep an eye out. Most of the time, we don't have many varmints that bother these, but you could have, especially on the woody types, you could have some rabbit damage. Sometimes during the, the winter, they just come through and just nip things off because they're, I don't know if they're sharpening their teeth or what they're doing. 
but you may want to put something around that tree penny to make sure that doesn't happen because you don't want to spend 80 or $100 for a plant and then it gets nipped off at the soil surface its first season. Exactly. We know we don't want rabbits to really get much of anything uh, if we can keep from it. So that's a, a good tip that you have there. Now, some of the peonies, maybe more of the herbaceous, but it could also happen with the, the tree and the intersectional peonies too. Do they really need much support? I don't know if they really need it much at planting, but later on, will they need any kind of support to help hold up those blooms? You know, that depends more on the variety than anything else. Generally, the tree peonies don't need much support. They grow slow enough and have woody stems. Now, the herbaceous and the ethos might. I would tend to go ahead and have support ready or even go ahead and put some of those little wire cages that they make that they can grow up through just to hold them up. There are a lot of the newer hybrid varieties out there are a lot sturdier. Their stems are a lot thicker and they're actually bred for the landscape industry as opposed to the cut flower industry. A lot of the old varieties and the ones that you see at old homesteads and, you know, they've been there for 50 to 100 years. Those were all bred, believe it or not, not all, but most of them were bred in the late 1800s all the way up until the mid 1900s for the cut flower industry. So they were bred to have long skinny stems that they could cut and use those for cut flowers. They grow fine in our landscapes, but that's the reason they tend to flop whenever they it rains on them or we have some wind and things. That because you know it's just because they were bred for cut flower, not for our actual landscape. But now the new varieties out there, if you get some of those, they stand up. They're shorter. They have fatter stems, thicker stems, and they they stand up quite easy. Some of that's going to be trial and error on the gardener's part to figure out which type they have. I mean, I can you know recommend some varieties that I know will flop and some that I know that are going to stand up pretty good. It just depends on which ones you've grown and which what they've been actually bred to do. Exactly. Help you make those educated decisions for sure. Now, on the mulch that you mentioned just a little bit ago, how much mulch do you need to put down after it's kind of, you know, gotten really, really cold outside? Is there a certain kind of? There is a ballpark and I'm going to say about three to four inches. Okay. You don't need any more than that, but you want enough mulch to keep the soil from heaving and during the growing season to, you know, keep weeds down and conserve moisture. Don't go any deeper than that. Now, the peonies can probably come right up through it, but there's no need. It's just overkill at that point. And you could use that mulch somewhere else. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We might need it in other areas of our garden and landscape. Now, if, if somebody wanted to learn a little bit more about growing peonies, is there a like a, a great publication or is there a good resource that you found that works really good, especially about knowing all the things that you've covered today that they might need a cheat sheet on. <laughs> I don't know that, that there's a cheat sheet. I mean, I've got a PowerPoint on it that I'd be happy to send it out or upload or send it to you. They can call you. That's not a problem. It's got pretty much the same information in it. Okay. Uh, there is a peony society, though, and there is for every plant just about. But they have some really great information there. And they have all the peonies that are on the market that are, are named on there. And you can go through all those. And that's just going to give you some good information or some, you know, some, some things to go look and even some other companies and things that you can go check out. There are some really good commercial penny growers out there. And a lot of them are more mom and pop types, but they actually do hybridizing and all that kind of stuff, too. So some of those are really nice to go check out as well. Yeah. So if you get the opportunity to get out and about maybe this fall, you might want to check out some of those resources or like you said, call on your extension office to, to find and, out more. And if you want to go out and just see some really good tree peonies in the spring, Udell Gardens in Louisville, it's actually going to be, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to speak out, but I think it's the largest collection of tree peonies in the United States, or it's going to be. 
they have a lot of really nice ones. So if you might, you know, that's relatively close. I guess it's not that close to Bowling Green, but. <laughs> it's in the state of Kentucky. So it's in the yeah. state of Kentucky. So, you yeah. know, you could yeah. do a day trip or a day and a half. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you wanted to, but it, that is a really nice resource. It's pretty, pretty close to home. And there are, there are some other growers out there, but tenant gardens are always going to be good for, for any of these types of things. If you want to see some of these plants already mature and growing in gardens. I will talk about a few varieties that I really like. And, you know, some of these are, are common and some not. But as far as the tree peonies, I don't have many of those. I've never grown very many, usually because of the sheer price of them. And they take a long time to mature. But a few of these that are just great are, there's one called Flight of Cranes, which is a large white peony. It's really nice. White Lotus is nice. Icy Heart is another one that's really great. It's a pink and more of a maroon center. And it's, it's, it's a really good tree peony. As far as the intersectional goes, absolutely everybody should have a Bartzella in their collection. It's the yellow, the, one of the first yellow, most popular ones still. There's another one that looks very similar to that one that's called Prairie Charm. And sometimes you can get these and find deals on these. The intersectionals used to be very expensive and they're still pretty expensive. But they've done some tissue culture on these to speed some of these along to get more on the market, which has kind of dropped the price on some of these. Another one, intersectional, that's my one of my absolute favorites. It's right up there with Bartzell is Cora Louise. It's kind of a pinkish color with that kind of a maroon center to it. It's really nice. I have another one here. I can't hardly ever say the name of it just because it's Scrump Diddy Unctious. <laughs> it's hard for me to say that. I have to, I have to think about it before I say it, but it's a really pretty one too. There's a lot of them out there though. And then we have the herbaceous, which are the type that we're used to usually of growing on these that die to the ground each year and they come back in the spring with new shoots and new flowers. These are newer varieties. Some of these will still need to have some support, but Coral Sunset is a really nice one. If anybody's looking for a coral one, has a large bloom on it. There's another one called Coral Hawaii. That's a nice one. And one of my favorites though is called Scarlet O'Hara. It is a red, semi-double, semi-single, however you want to say that. It stands up on its own in wind and rain, and the flowers start out red, and they kind of fade to a pink color before they drop. So you'll have pink and red on the same plant at the same time, and you don't have to worry about staking that plant. If you like something with a stripe to it, this one, Candy Stripe, is one that is white and red striped. You want something different. And then Lemon Chiffon is another one of my absolute favorites. It's a herbaceous, but it's a light yellow. It's one of the first one that's just fully herbaceous that has that yellow coloring in it. So that was another nice one. That one was very expensive. I think it's come down to maybe less than $100. It was $300 just a few years ago. But it is a nice plant. It's a slow grower. That's why it's taking so long for the price to come down just because it's a slow grower. So the older types, I'll call these heirlooms. These are the ones that were the original a lot of these were the originals that were hybridized in France and in Europe and grown for cup flowers. And then we got them in the United States and made, you know, plant them out as a perennial. It's Festiva Maxima. It's probably my all-time favorite of any peony. And it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg, but it is a double white with a little red, kind of a little red center to it. Just a little brush of red in the middle of it. It always reminds me of like an ice cream sundae. That was my absolute favorite. That's the one that my grandmother always had growing beside her house. I remember that plant from as far back as I can remember. So that's my absolute favorite. Uh, Sarah Bernhardt is a pink heirloom that you'll see. A lot of the old homesteads, if you see a pink peony bloom in there, it's going to be Sarah Bernhardt. It's a, a you know, great grower. It gets pretty tall. It's definitely needs, needs support. All these heirlooms are going to need support. A red charm is another one of those that was one of my grandmother's favorite, which I love too. It's probably still the best double red on the market today as far as I'm concerned. I've had several different types, but that's still a really, really good one. Shirley Temple's a nice light pink, a large flower, 
And then Henry Sass is a, if you like a white, just a solid white, no red, no other color added to it. It's Henry Sass is a, it's a solid white. So those are just a quick rundown. I know that if anybody's listening to this as just the podcast, you may need to pull over on the side of the road and, and uh, write these down or, or wait and listen to it again to write some of those down and look them up. They're really nice. Just a few varieties. You knew all there's absolutely, you know, hundreds, if not thousands on the market right now. I, I think I might have to check out, you said the lemon chiffon, that just sounds really yes, good it too. It is beautiful and it's a double light yellow. It's really pretty. It's just a slow grower and it's expensive to get one, but once you get it, you're going to have it, you know, for the rest of your life. So just put it in a really good spot and Make sure you give it uh, some extra compost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amend that soil and, and plant it where it needs to be and give it what it needs. And we'll also try to post some of these that you mentioned in the show notes. So if they want to check it out, they can also go there. And, and I did want to mention a couple of disease problems that you might have on your peonies. One of those is Boitritis blight. So if you've got a peony that you've had for a few years and it starts to grow and then you get the buds form and then they never open, they just kind of rot and fall off or dry up. That's from Boitritis blight. There's a couple things you can do to limit that. One is in the fall, make sure you've got good sanitation in your garden to get all that old foliage out of there. Uh, so you'll get all that those spores out of there. And the next is you're going to need to do a fungicide spray in the spring when the plant's probably about seven or eight inches tall or even a little bit taller and you start to see maybe a bud forming. Go ahead and do a fungicide spray with that. You can use Mancozeb or Diconeal, which is Chlorothalonil. Those are just protectants, and you can kill those spores before they actually attack that bud. And that way, you'll get your flowers to open. But again, sanitation is going to be a, a really big key to that. The other thing that you might have on these, especially certain varieties, and I can tell you some of them are worse than others, is powdery mildew. Usually, that's not something that we need to worry too much about because it usually hits late enough in the summer that these plants are pretty ratty by then, and they're you know they've already made enough food. But if we do have that, then you may need to hit that with some fungicide like Immunox, or if you've got some Clearies 3336, you can hit with that. But most of the time, you're not going to have to really worry too much about that. And we're going to get some other leaf spots and things during the growing season, but generally, that's nothing to worry about because that plant's already made all the food it needs for the pre- for the next season, and, and we're just going to have to deal with some maybe some ratty-looking foliage, which we're used to that if we're growing peonies, so... What do you do to limit that ratty foliage? Then you plant some other perennials around that that will grow up next to that and maybe kind of hide some of that ugly foliage. Exactly. And I'm glad that you mentioned the two diseases that you might run into because those are both pretty common and you covered how to take care of those really well. They're they're very common on a lot of different things. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like when you notice someone, you can see it on others. Now, is there anything else you wanted to cover before we close? No, I think that's it. If anybody has any questions, they know where you are. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Dennis. I appreciate you being on the podcast and we'll talk with you later. Thanks for having me. I hope that you enjoyed our discussion today on planting peonies in the garden. A big thank you to Dennis Morgison for being our guest on the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. To view the show notes for episode 19, make sure to visit me on the blog at Warren County Agriculture. You can find us by going to www.warrencountyagriculture.com. Thanks for listening, gardeners. As always, keep digging into gardening and remember to add a little sunshine. Thanks for listening to the Sunshine Gardening Podcast with Kristen Hildebrand. If you enjoyed today's content, make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to catch future segments of the Sunshine Gardening Podcast. Gardeners, keep on digging and learning more about gardening so the sun shines brighter over your Kentucky garden.
The Sunshine Gardening Podcasts with Kristen Hildebrand is a production of the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service.